Hello and welcome to The Rabbit Hole, the Definitive Developers Podcast, live from the Boogie Down Bronx. I'm your host, Michael Nunez, our co-host today, Dave Anderson, and our producer, William Jeffries. And today, we'll be talking about the things in tech that we are thankful for. It's that time of the year, or slightly after that time of the year, I guess. Yes. If you're listening to this, know that I'm still eating leftovers. Whenever you listen to this, weeks later, years later, I'm still having those Thanksgiving (laughs) leftovers. (laughs) So much turkey. Sorry, William. Korean, we did our Thanksgiving in October here in Korea. Oh man, you could like double double whammy on Thanksgiving, bro. Wait, is it like Canadian Thanksgiving? You had it in October. Yeah, we could do a whole episode on Chizak. It's a whole thing. Oh yeah, <laughs> things oh, were Chizak for. There you go. That's, we'll, we'll definitely have to record that one. But we got to talk about things episode. that we're thankful for in tech. Twenty twenty has done quite a lot of damage to the year leading up to now. And yeah, yeah, but. There's that exercise in gratitude, right? You know, like keeping a gratitude journal, just really trying to remind yourself that it is just such a wonder to be alive right now. What a time to be alive. Yeah. I mean, 2020 makes it a lot more harder to put that pen to that pad, but we're doing it. (laughs) And we'll continue to do it. There's quite a few things that, you know, everyone, we're going to talk about the things that we're thankful for in tech. And I imagine that as other people reveal what they're thankful for, it's going to inspire us to be even more thankful for other things, <laughs> which I'm looking forward to. Does anyone want to kick us off first on what are they thankful for in tech? I'm thankful for test-driven development. Oh, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. TDD, always there Ex- for you, bro. Talk about programming. it. programming. TDD has been keeping me sane lately i've been normally you do your like red green refactor and then you commit like all in one but lately i've been doing like a red commit a green commit and a refactor commit to really force myself to be strict about tdd and it has it's led me to start actually running the full test suite on every commit and that's been really helpful because then like i check on github and ci has run and the commit that's labeled as green is actually red and i'm like oh i actually broke a test somewhere else in the code base Mm. and i wouldn't have caught that because when i'm tddding locally i just run the current test file (laughs) because the whole thing is too long so is your commit message like this definitely works (laughs) (laughs) and then you just push it up (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> bro those are the best commit messages I, I do have a question so you say you write the test and then you commit and then you make a pass and then commit and, yeah so i write so the first commit message is red colon test that the foo returns the bar or whatever mm-hmm. and then the second commit is green colon you know implement the foo returns the bar and then Third committee is refactor colon, I don't know, extract a method from foo for clarity or whatever. Right. That's well, like, it's really interesting. Th- that's, that sounds very festive too because you're just like red, green, red, green. Yes. Seems like, <laughs> you know. Just in time for the holidays, new, new bro. Holidays. Yeah. <laughs> it feels thing. very festive. Although, you know, it does mean that if you're not squashing, then when you merge those commits, you then have red commits in your history 
which is maybe not ideal. Yeah, maybe Agni. Like you don't you don't really need those as a record of the progress. That's kind of cool, like having the refactor commits, I guess. But it makes re- code review a breeze because you can go through commit by commit, and it's very modular. Right, and um, also I guess and it it's, also it's a gives bit... you proof that your tests fail. Like as a reviewer, you can tell that the tests would fail if the implementation were not there just by looking at the commit history. Yeah, and also like. It's like a bit put your money where your mouth is where like somebody can look at it and be like, oh, this guy TDDs, huh? <laughs> you said that you squashed the commits though at some point or no? I mean, you know, some projects, this is another thing that I'm thankful for is the squash and merge button on GitHub. Squash and merge oh. button is clutch because if you yeah. aren't making baller commit messages, it gets rid of them all. And then oh, you just yeah. have one commit that is the full ticket that you just implemented. Whip, 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 just have that as a a final failsafe against all of the heinous things that may have happened while you were struggling with CI or whatever. But then like if you go to a project where they don't do squash and merge and then you're just yamming on the button to uh, bring the PR into the main line of work, then you end up with a whole bunch of foolish commit messages there forever, which oh, man. I have definitely left somewhere in this world. I, I don't know which project it is, but I, I definitely have let a little bit loose. Yeah. Yeah. I had that same problem. And so I started trying to manually squash before merging. And it made me so much more grateful for the squash and merge button. Because if you manually squash and then you go to merge and you're like, oh, wait, I have to change like this one thing. Then you go and you change that one thing and then you have to re-squash. Mm-hmm. And then you go to merge and you're like, oh, wait, there's just one more thing. And then that happens eight more times. Yeah. And it's like all of the flashing <laughs> is so painful. With the button, it just automatically does it for you. Yeah, that's true. You, know, you could like do atomic commits and just let them live on there. Although yeah. if, if they're if they're just all like fix the lint, then, then that's, yeah. that's not a good luck, I guess. Cool with that. For me... The thing I'm most thankful for is, first of all, like the ability to work remotely because not everyone has that ability. But then above and beyond on top of that ability is all of the wonderful software that's been coming out that we've been talking about for remote pair programming and other things. And uh, surveillance too. (laughs) I'm kidding. Uh, Surveillance apps. (laughs) That's not fun. Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I hope not. I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, but you mentioned that, like the ability to pair program. Are you using one right now that you use with your team? Yeah, I'm still I'm still using Tuple. We talked mm-hmm. about a couple of other options in episode 177, according to the tattoos. So mm-hmm. you can check that out for some alternatives. But I'm still on Team Tuple. Yeah, shout out to Tuple. Although I will say I'm I'm I am grateful for screen so for 
providing some competition because I think that was a motivator for Tuple to release a video feature. Oh, interesting. Like the Mm. camera feature. Mm -hmm. And I think that having more players in the space will lead to better better features in all of the products. Right. Like more awareness, more market penetration. Assuming that like, you know, the market is everybody who collaborates on software now (laughs) and collaborating on software is the best way to write software. So you should collaborate more, especially since we're so distant. It's really nice to be able to work with people in a way that isn't a Zoom meeting, but mm-hmm. very specific to the needs that programmers have. I'm grateful for the ability to listen to music while pairing without bothering my pair because everybody's remote now. Oh, oh that's yeah. so interesting. I, How do you do that? I remember talking about that. Like, where we're like, oh, should you like put music on? You could put some like light piano music on and like for the pair station. But now you don't have to care. Yeah, sometimes I pair and my pair does not know that I'm secretly listening to bobby's techno mix oh man i don't know how are you possibly pairing (laughs) listening to that because i would just drive all the time (laughs) not listen to my pair and just go literally yeah no rules (laughs) no rules just fast pumping techno and red bull like you watch me code now yeah Although you do have to keep the volume on your music low enough that you can hear your pair easily. Not That's with that true. playlist, baby. You just go. <laughs> you know, I never thought about this. This will totally spice up my meetings too. You know, I could I could just have a little little music on in retro or something. It does kind of like change the ambiance a little bit. We talked about like doing design sprint and like having music for that makes a big difference because mm. it, it just kind of helps you like loosen up and think and change the mood like lower the pressure a little bit do you ever secretly put on like the darth vader march oh <laughs> wow <laughs> <laughs> it's like the one meeting you know it's gonna go bad you just play that in the background <laughs> put it a little too loud and put your headphones next to the microphone oh no that's nothing that's that's that, that wasn't me sorry do all of the fates getting jammed up Be like okay ready for the the fight Can oh, yeah. do a backflip with my double lightsaber or something i don't know there's a few things that i'm grateful for So right now I'm working with an intern at Stride. And what's really interesting is me having to defend like the certain quirks that I may have in terms of my design patterns that (laughs) I have instilled. I mean, that I have gained over the past 10 plus years of developing. And it's like, oh yeah, that's that's a silly thing that I do that I'm just going to continue doing it. And you're going to learn it now. This is how I feel. It's the Bobby maneuver. You learn the Bobby maneuver now. Yeah. So it's like, for example, no matter what, I do my very best to ensure that there is no let variable in JavaScript in any of the JavaScript that I write. Because F that, Everything must be a const. And if I have to move it into a function that does it somewhere, I'm doing that. I'm not writing the words L-E-T ever. I don't want to do that ever. I get really <laughs> upset. I'm like super passionate about not having lets in my code. I, Even though I, the code I, could just be easier, right? I could just I, put I let null at the top. If whatever, do that. If not, it's going to be null. I feel that way too. I have paired with 
friend of the show, Jacob O'Donnell, and like he is like perfectly fine with like mutable variables and no, yeah, like, no mutable you, variables you, you, here, bro. I was like, no, man, you can you can make. A but what about in tests? Your function, like if you're doing just tests and you want to have. Like, oh yeah, no, no, no. for just tests, yeah, like if you want to have, you do a let at the very top, you before okay. each yeah. set it up, right. like that All kind right. of stuff. That's fine. Board. But yeah. no, but, but then, your, but here in your production code, no, no let. No, but hear this, hear this, hear this. This is the example quirk that I have. Okay. <laughs> Inside the test, the initial let block before each will have the thing that I instantiate with the let. But in my test, if I'm going to override it, I have to do it with immutability. Like I do the spread operator when I'm updating the object that is mutable in the first place. It's really, really weird stuff. Well, so I, even mean, I think no. good practice. Right? Wait, wait, wait. You... But like, wouldn't you just like do it as a immutable then in the test setup and copy it? Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying, though. So I do a bit of both at the same time. But it's oh, just okay. like that, for one, <laughs> is one of the things that I like. Interns are really interesting because they're going to ask why. Like, why do you do this? Like, why should I do this? Why am I picking up this practice? And it's like, it, that, this is what I do, man. This is this is it's how like, it is. I put the lead at the top, but I'm treating it like a cons down here. And that's what we're doing. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay. So you're saying that it's redundant. Yeah, that whole conversation of why I do certain things is is really, really interesting. And I think the other, going back to what you mentioned, William, about doing the squash button on GitHub, I'm actually also very passionate about Git history. So I use my, I'm so thankful for the Git rebase dash I, because like you can do really, really powerful things on like, oh, I have a whip commit. Like, what did we do with these three whips? Did we do the thing? Yes, let's fix that all up. Let's pretend like we did this the best way we could have the first time we did it. Just constantly changing the history so that it looks as pristine as possible. I love doing that. Yeah. He's like, precious young soul. No one needs to know we didn't get here on one. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, hey, we're going to pretend like we did the most graceful, elegant code as possible. There was a whole lot of whips in there, but we got to fix all that up. We can't let anybody (laughs) know. It's a secret within the both of us. And that's how, and so like when someone else reviews the code, it's like, look how beautiful we're writing. This intern is great. We should hire him. Like that's how I'm, I wanted to do that. I wanted to feel like that. Top dollar. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think my last one, no, I'm honking it. What's really great <laughs> right now is the feedback that I get from my team when it comes to the pull request that we, we make. Cause like, you know, you may work on a team, you may have a person who's like tech lead who when they review your code, they hit you with that request change button. Bang. Now you have to go and make those changes. You got to wait for Bobby to approve them again, like that kind of deal. I don't have to deal with that. And I think Mm -hmm. I'm so thankful for the team that I'm in right now because we're all communicating to the best of our ability about things that we could do to fix the code. And it's not like passive aggressive. I don't know if anybody has ever felt that way during a PR. Yeah, totally. Uh, Just nothing but constructive comments and good feeling. Oh, yeah. And I, I think, like, if there's not a lot of friction to releasing the code, if it's easy to change it, and, like, the stories are reasonably sized, and you're just, like, doing a real quick turnaround, then I, I feel like those are things that kind of breed that kind of a situation in your pull request culture. If it takes you two weeks to do a pull request then people are going to get like a little snippy probably like if it if it's like a real big deal to like do a release which is a bad thing in itself right then you're going to get other bad things but it sounds like 
You're doing it right. Oh, I'm trying, baby, for 2020. Got to end on a good note. That's what I'm doing here. You have one thing going. Yeah. <laughs> we got a couple <laughs> things going right now. Yeah. I'm really thankful for those things. Okay. Do we have time for one more? Oh, uh, yeah. We, we think so. Yeah, Let's do yeah. it. We got to be okay. thankful now. <laughs> <laughs> so I have been thankful for automation, like particularly things like Zapier, mm-hmm. which is a tool for wiring together different APIs from services with no code kind of block block like approach. You just kind of go through and wire things together. Is it Zapier? I thought it was Zapier. Have I been saying Zapier? this wrong for years? Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. Hit us up if you work at that company. Zapier Zapier. That <laughs> Starts with Zap and then ends with IER. Oh, yeah. Or is maybe more of a regal sounding Zapier. (laughs) Yeah, let us know if we're saying it wrong. But yeah, I was talking with a colleague of ours who isn't a programmer. And he was showing me all the cool stuff that he put together with this tool. And I was like, dude, you're a programmer. Yeah. like i love this like kind of like lowering the barrier of entry to doing programming like stuff and i get a lift from it because i can put together things that make it easier for us to like put on the podcast and you know maybe one day we'll we'll talk about this and how a lot of different odds and end things are automated for us so we can like be as lazy as possible and virtuous as possible as programmers. But I'm thankful that there's more and more space for people to contribute with this like kind of low-code, no-code automation kind of world uh, is emerging. Yeah, no, yeah. it's pretty dope to have individuals still contribute to this type of automation because like people would often say like, oh, programming is hard. Like I don't fully understand it. And then have like all these different systems that are in place to make their lives easier. That's pretty much some of the things that we do as well as developers. This uh, reminds me that I am grateful for all of the resources for people who were just starting out getting into programming because it means that I have all these friends who get into programming because they find tools like Code Academy or Free Code Camp or whatever. And then there's this other level on which we can connect. It's like, oh, you code now. Let's do some code together. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Everybody get in here. Everybody codes. Let's get this coding thing down. <laughs> That's a, a good amount of things to be thankful for. And Sufficient and good. <laughs> you know, I, I'm thankful for all those things. All those things were spot on. I'm sure we may have missed quite a few, and I'm really curious to hear what would other people be thankful for. There's a lot of things happening in the tech space right now, and I'd be really curious to hear those things and to wonder whether I'm thankful for those things too. You know where to find this. You want to find me. I'm probably going to be having my leftovers. That's for sure. Which I'm going <laughs> to whip up some some food right now. Yeah, tweet it, Mike, and he'll send you a photo of his leftovers, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I'll definitely put it. Uh, yeah, tweet at me and I will show you what leftovers I'm currently having right now. <laughs> Is that invasive? Like, too much in your life. <laughs> uh, don't worry. Hey, hey, if I get a tweet, I will show a plate. <laughs> <laughs> I'll match that. I'll, I'll match that gift. <laughs> <laughs> match, match a photo. Oh, well, you got to get all this. 
You gotta show us what meals you're having. If they tweet at you, bro, you gotta show a meal. <laughs> Mine are going to be much less like comforting and full of Thanksgiving goodness, and much more full of weird octopuses and stuff. That's, that's fine. That's fine. The people are I for it. it. People love, love to it. see it. I want those rice cakes. Those spicy rice cakes. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Follow us now on Twitter at Radio Free Rabbit, so we can keep the conversation going. Like what you hear. Give us a five-star review and help developers just like you find their way into the rabbit hole. And never miss an episode. Subscribe now however you listen to your favorite podcast. On behalf of our producer extraordinaire, William Jeffries, and my amazing co-host, Dave Anderson, and me, your host, Michael Nunez, thanks for listening to The Rabbit Hole.